I accept how I feel. I accept how I feel. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Clara Sedlicek. Clara empowers stressed and overwhelmed moms to transform tension into connection. She creates a safe and nurturing space where moms can offload, unstress, and grow whole again. She uses clinically proven mind-body practices of tapping EFT, matrix re-imprinting, and nature-oriented wellness to nurture the now and release the past. She believes happy moms raise happy kids and that our lifelong journey is to forget what we were told before we get old. So today's topic is the betrayal of motherhood. You may have been raised by a mom who was struggling with addiction, was abusive, was sick, didn't love you the way you needed, or maybe wasn't around at all. My guest today, Clara Sedlicek, experienced a different type of betrayal from her mom. Her mom was raising her as a boy. This wasn't something Clara felt, resonated with, asked for, or wanted, but her most important influence, her mom, was insistent that Clara be a boy in every way her mom wanted her to be. Join us for this conversation around how Clara managed that confusion anger, and more, and the specific tools she used to become healthy, happy, and whole. Here we go. Okay, everybody, we are with Clara Sedlacek, and we are talking about the betrayal of motherhood. And I have to tell you, before before I hit record, uh, we just briefly spoke about... um, about Clara's background. And it's, if you think you're alone in your betrayals or where all of this can start from, you're not, and you will know, uh, you'll hear firsthand from her. So welcome, Clara. Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we, you started saying before, I didn't want to, and I didn't want to lose anything. I wanted to share it with our audience. So, you know, betrayal is one of those things that I just define it as the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. And, and we all have them, you know, and, and the more we trust someone and the more we depend on them, the deeper the betrayal. And I always use the example of when we're a child and we completely depend on our parent and then the parent does something painful, that's, that's significant. And, and there's a lot more to clean up there than let's say when your best friend shares your secret, still a betrayal, different level of magnitude. And we started talking about some things that you grew up with. Can you share some of that? Sure. So, you know, when I think of betrayal, I think initially the, you know, the crux of betrayal for humanity is that childhood is pretty rough in general. As you talk about these pains that kind of add up and they accumulate to your future, you know, triggers and things that you deal with, especially in motherhood, you know, all those things are just, you know, I, I call that it's at the unhealed one, the one unhealed thing. And that's all your betrayals or your pains or your disconnections from your caregivers, from the one person that you depended on. And uh, it goes generation and generation back. And I think that betrayal is like caused by nature because life is hard and in my family there was a trauma from war and subsequently it carried from mother to mother and the needs of my grandmother for safety and peace were transferred to my mother who then you know this was 
totally disconnected from herself. And then she transferred that disconnection to me. And her, she thought that everything would be better if she had a boy. You know, in the Greek community, it would be uh, the preferred, <laughs> the preferred gender. Also, she was enamored with sports, and she, you know, in her immature emotional world, this was like a solution to her pain that she will have a athlete, um, a soccer player who will go to the Olympics, and you know, just her life depended on this situation. So when the girl was born, she didn't she didn't want me she you know the the doctor was like um what do you what do you want me to do now like mm -hmm. do you want her you know back in or what's your solution to this and even though she you know she tried to you know accept that through her pain she wasn't able to and then as her coping mechanism was to start kind of raising me as a boy unbeknownst to her but you know calling me Michael when I was being good so as a as a reward I was being called a different gender and a different name because she want she wanted she wanted a Michael so this wasn't this wasn't just you know exposing you to everything where you know something like traditionally people would think okay you know the football is for boys. I'm going to put you on the football team. It wasn't like that. It was like, she really wanted you to be a boy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, this is not her like, oh, I'm going to mess this kid forever. I'm going to call her Michael. This was just her coping mechanism with her pain. And I think even though we deal with betrayal, we, we have that option also to look at the other person who's, who's doing the, the deed as a person in pain. And we can and look at unable, later on. Unable to deal with their pain and just that betrayal is their coping mechanism. The lies, the cheating, you know, the whatever happens to us through them. It doesn't mean that we are going in and hug them. You know, it's still understanding, but keep a distance. Yeah. So how did you, what did you make of that? Like here you were, you were a little kid and and you you know here's you have one name clara right and then you're being called michael like i imagine it was very confusing it was and i would you know kindergarten days and daycare i would get into fights with boys because they would say you are not michael and i would be oh i'll show you how michael i am and i would beat the you know <laughs> bejesus out of those boys or i would call my mom and be like mom can you tell me, can you tell this boy that I am Michael? She would say, of course. And she would even like feed it and tell the, you know, my boys in the daycare that, yeah, you know, I do call her Michael and come, come here, Michael, let's put on your shoes. So she even poured oil into the fire. So I was a perfect tomboy. I would say I only hung out with boys. I only wore boys clothing and for a long time until like grade six or seven. I would not, I think puberty hit. And then it was the first time that I put on a dress when I fell in love with that boy. And I was 14, I think, or 13. So the hormones kind of took me out of that funk. Yeah. But I believe, you know, it's, I don't want to, you know, be controversial, but if I could at the moment and take those hormones and go under the, you know, gender gender tr um, treatment and start stop the puberty and everything I think I would at the moment because well, I truly 
believed I'm, you know, in the boy's body. Like it was. Yeah. That's so interesting. So, so now you're so you're raised to believe that you're a boy. So when you started displaying signs of being a girl, then you're, then, then the confusion, you know, I guess it's, it's, it's a different, it's a very different scenario from someone feeling like, well, I, this is the body I'm seeing and I don't, I don't belong in it. Well, on some level, that's what you're feeling because of all the conditioning that you received. Debbie, these are really, you know, great and prodding questions you are asking. And, you know, thanks for bringing me there because I think if, if I was supported through being a boy and then the biological change starts uh, starts happening and I was connected to my mom, things would probably be different. But mom even used this transformation as a way to shame me that, you know, you're not behaving well. That's why your breasts are growing or that's why you got period. And I think for a lot of the listeners, this will resonate when when our moms weren't ready for us to be women, to be to grow up, to take our role in the world, I would say, they wouldn't really prep us for the change, for the first periods and everything. So for me, it was almost like a Carrie style scenario. Yeah. From so, the from the horror movie. Right. So did you have any support or anyone you could speak with? Like if you, I, I imagine if you only had your mom telling you these things and then you're, you're at school and you see things are different, the, the intense confusion, you need to, to, to sort of, you know, clear that up with someone. Was there anyone you spoke with or that you could share this with? No, I think it all compounded all these, all these, you know, feelings of confusion and being a bad person because you like, I'm, I am a girl, people treat me as a girl, but I behave as a boy. I'm very, you know, misbehaving that ADHD style boy that you would think of, but I'm a girl. So nobody really accepts that at that time. So it was incredibly hard to, to fit in, to find my role. So it always turned to that clown of class, but you know, that sad clown that so often happens that people have to get into that role to cope with their pain. Right. And and so when did you, when did you, let's say, not feel comfortable, but at least feel like, wait a second, I'm, I feel like a girl, even though I've been raised as a boy, this isn't working. I mean, you must've been, were you angry at your mom? Were you because to get to that point of understanding, you don't just get there, you know, there's a process to get there. So tell us, tell us how you moved to that. It was my early thirties when I went to therapy and I said, I had a happy childhood, you know, and to me, that's a learning point of how the body and your mind can protect you from your own pain. Yeah. That even when you look backwards, you think it was all pur- you know pink and purple. And yeah. then yeah. all the negative things that happen to you are just almost safely stored, almost. But your depression, anxiety, reactivity gives, you know, those are the clues that you could follow to find your pain. But 
we are our society still doesn't really work that way we are more like okay get better you know um be a better person try to try to you know self self development like be a better person but this is about be a healed person yeah give your you know give yourself the gentle space you need to heal and that's a lot to heal from so what was walk us through the process of what like what were there stages you went through to uh or things you did to move from that space of like just total confusion to this place of of clarity um i think probably stages that you could describe in your you know betrayal process of uh like puzzled confusion to raging anger and smashing photographs of my family in my room and being like what the and dot 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 expletives so there were stages but then as I kept going into therapy I was like okay all right now I know great what do I do next like it's still very painful I'm not able to really clear most of the stuff like you know because of my mom had her background and all, all of the trauma in our family, of course, you know, this was like a minor, minor thing. Like there were way, you know, there were more painful items on my list. So I couldn't really, you know, go there and it was holding me back. So I think through that awareness of, oh my goodness, that's a lot of stuff to deal with. I just kept looking for more that could help me. And that's how I find the tapping, the EFT. But it was a blessing in disguise that I just kept looking. Yeah. And, and EFT, I want to get to that because it's such a, it's such an amazing tool um, right. that, that, that people can do. But I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to, I, I want everybody to understand the, because when you go from this intense confusion to this place of, okay, I know I need to heal and, and the steps in the process, it, it can, it can definitely take time, but it's also, you know, what, how you said, like a little bit, you know, it's like, you have to, you do a little bit, you're, you're sort of uncovering things. And I think that here's where the, the body and the mind are so brilliant. You're discovering and uncovering and releasing as it's almost like as the body knows, okay, you can handle this. I think so. You know, so many of us have that healing crisis when we end up on the floor in our bathrooms and we think it's going to break us. You know, we are like, I remember the bubbles coming from my nose, like water running from my eyes and soaking the carpet and thinking I cannot do, you know, I cannot do this. This is too much for me to handle, but I did. And the body did. And I think, as you say, the body probably knows what you can handle. But this is not a message to you to be like, you know, go ahead. You can handle this. Go into it. You know, be intuitive with your own journey and have someone who can hold your hand, who you trust at the moment. And even if it's a little rescue dog or a cat, you know, this is not a self you know, this is not a journey for yourself. You need someone who's sympathetic to your plight on your side, even if it's a community like, you know, Debbie's, like your community. It's 
it's important to be supported on this. And the community is so important. And even the type, the type of support besides the, the, the loving, compassionate people that you need around you when you're moving through something like that. Like I'm thinking we have so many amazing coaches and practitioners in the PBT Institute. And one specifically uh, works with people with somatic, somatic body-based activities because there's so much trauma that gets stuck in the tissues. So she's one of the coaches that a lot of our members see early on in their journey when they come in, you know, with either coming in in stage two or, or just things have been stored for decades. Mm -hmm. You know, they see her first to release all of this. And when you release this trauma, you're, you're allowing for, for this next level and this next stage and this next phase of yourself. So, so, okay. So that's truly a lot to move through and, and uh, rewire your mind. And then was there a point where you were like, you know what? I, I'm comfortable in being a woman. This is who I am. And, and I'm good with it. And let me now take on other things. So, um, so motherhood, uh, everybody's kind of like, when are you having kids? You know, I'm 31-ish at the point, at the moment, and people were, you know, inquiring. And to me, it was just an impossible feat. Like, it, I can be a good, great aunt, and I've been always amazing with children. You know, I worked as a snowboard instructor, you know, all those kiddie jobs that I was really good at, but I could never think I'm good at it. It was just natural, but, you know, I thought, like, I'm horrible, and I would be the worst mother ever. Like this, this cannot happen. Uh, so I was delaying my decision to even go into, uh, you know, an intention of being a mother. Because getting pregnant to me, that was betraying my mother. Wow. So betrayal, to betrayal. Yeah. You know, I moved- would be betraying my body and my mother by fully completing the journey as a woman. So what'd you do? Well, for a little bit, I sat on it and then I kept tapping and working with, you know, my support groups and my coaches. And uh, I had a really supportive partner who was holding my hand through it, my husband. And at 33-ish, you know, I was like, okay, let's let's do it. And when you decide you want it, your body's like, it's not going to happen for you. So, and I'm curious if any of my upbringing had anything to do with this, you know, you never know. The doctor said eventually it was genetic, but you know, so I kind of let it be. I said, you know what, it's probably not supposed to happen. It's, that's the way life has it for me. And I was okay with it until like I was 37 when truly I started to feel like, look, this is not, I don't feel happy without a child like I feel like this would really complete me but um I couldn't really pass through some blocks so I decided that I'm just gonna do anything possibly in the world to to bring a child with my husband into this world so I started going to uh, acupuncture and everything and things came up for me about being a woman and the ability to to do this so i started also you know i got back to talking with a with a coach and she i was i was telling her like i don't know if i'm a male or a female and it's really confusing to me so this confusion kept showing up in my life 
And then my acupuncturist, she's such a brilliant lady. She said, you know, I have all kinds of people coming to me who want to have children. It doesn't have to be either or. And then I realized that, oh, wait, maybe I don't have to be a woman, think that I am a woman, but maybe I can just be me. And since then, I really stopped, you know, dealing with it. If I'm a this or that, I'm me. So for me, the gender fluidity or how you call it doesn't have to be defined. And I'm okay with it right now. So that's where you are now. So there's no, there's no definite. You're, you're just you. I mean, isn't that, I mean, that's wonderful. You're just you. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm you. And you know, we, through IVF and the whole journey, we were able to conceive and now we have an amazing child who sees, sees me perfect through her wonderful eyes. And she does not care what I, what I, you know, if I'm this or that for her, I'm this container of love and that's what matters. And and has that there's there's nothing better than to show you who you are than to have kids and they're looking at you like what are you going to do now mom has has that changed how you look at motherhood? You mean being having a mom? having a child? I look at motherhood as a safetyhood as as a bod you know as I am providing the safety for my child. But I don't look at it from a with my husband. But I'm not provide uh, looking at it from like a gender specific uh, point of view. You know, motherhood for me is to keep us in a safe, loving spot. I don't like know. Parenthood. So it's more like parenthood, just parent. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Just, just parenthood. Got it. Okay. Oh, this that's that's so interesting. And you know what I love about what you're sharing is there are so many people um, watching, listening who may be confused as well, and for whatever for whatever the reason. Yeah. And and the idea that you know sometimes you just don't have to make a decision. The decision is it's just what is it's it's just who you are, and and maybe there's yeah. just some comfort in that. So I know you said that EFT tapping really helped you. Uh, can you explain for the people who don't know what what that is and then and then you know so tapping previously called emotional freedom technique it allows you to tune into your problem and kind of calm your amygdala calm the brain and tell the system that this issue is no longer a threat to you yeah. it also yeah. helps you to untangle convoluted feelings emotions and especially in parenting where i you know help moms now it's when you're feeling triggered, you usually show up with your anger and then you kind of, the tapping helps you to neutralize that and also go under that anger. So for example, kids not listening, it always comes to you, oh, not always, but usually when we go to the root of that problem, it's not being listened to when you were a child, mm-hmm. feeling you don't matter. So it's kind of helping you to connect all the dots with the help of your body, because it's body-mind tool. So it's using all the clues from your brain and from your body to kind of override your sub, your you know subconscious, which, which usually is the thing that puts a stop on your healing or on your journey, which is like, oh, no, 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 don't go there. Or you're going too fast. Wait, 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 I can, I can deal with it. So it's kind of additional driver to your healing. And it helps you to safely go where you need to go. 
And, and what did you notice tapping did for you? How did it change your perspective or help you in some way? So I went on my first workshop and, you know, I was, I knew tapping, but I never worked with a coach. So I didn't know how, how it could be. And I went in with a, you know, the trainer's like, oh, you know, anybody wants to work on something? And I was like, sure. And it started as a small thing, but it kind of turned to like my big, big, big T, big trauma. And within 45 minutes, I was able to tell the story without crying which before I could not even touch the story. And until now, you know, 10 years later, I am neutral about the story. And yeah. if I would tell you the story, most of the people would cry listening to the story. So, you know, it's not like a small pain. It's a, it's a big, big thing. But for me now, it's a story. So it kind of gives you the chance to line up your stories, hear them, listen to your you know, inner child, what, what you need to say, even about changing beliefs, like where the beliefs started, but you no longer are dragged back to them all the time. Yeah. And it's so important because especially, you know, I always talk about the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough. And if anything glues someone to stage three, it's the, the place we get stuck the most. It's telling your story over and over and over and over again without a, a strategic plan to move through it. And then we get so good at our story. We're saying it and we're, and we're looking for that sympathy. We're looking for that, you know, acknowledgement and recognition and all of these things instead of looking at how much better it's going to take to heal. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying tapping does is neutralize the story. So, um, you know, I remember Carolyn Mace saying, you know, you never want to uh, teach or share from, from the wound. You want to, you want to do it from the scar. And mm -hmm. it's true. It's a very, it's a very different space when you're speaking from that healed place, like how I talk about my betrayals, it's from that, you know, the healed place, because that's when you can serve because you're not going right down there to the depths where you can't really pick yourself up. So um, we only have a few minutes. Is it, can you put it, can you just run us through a really yeah, quick yeah. tapping I, round just so, to show us what uh, it's like? Do you have anything going on right now that kind of bothers you on your mind or bothered you yesterday or with your, you know, with your family, children, something that you're like, hmm, everything is perfect in my life. No, I'm like, oh, no. No, no, you know what? Because it would, so it would serve the most people. Let's just talk about stress. Okay. Stress, perfect. Because that's it's, something it's that an amazing, you know, distressing tool. So what's, what's, what's stressing you right now? So what's stressing? Um, just my schedule, probably just two. I've taken on too okay. much. So can you oh, take wow. one thing that's too much? One thing that's too much. Um, I just, I haven't said no to things that I should. So okay. it just winds okay. up on my plate and I just do. Okay. So here's a tapping point that we start for people who are listening. You can pick one thing that you are stressed about, or it could be even a general, you know, generic thing, but we're going to start tapping on our side of the hand, which is called like karate chop point, where you would, you know, chop a log mm -hmm. in the exhibition of your black belt. So we're going to Tap there and just say, even though I feel this stress. Even though I feel this stress. About taking on too much. About taking on too much. I accept how I feel. I accept how I feel. Even though I feel this stress. Even though I feel this stress. About taking on too much. About taking on too much. And I feel that stress. Where do you feel the stress? And I feel that stress um, kind of body. Yeah. Okay. Does it have a color or a vibe? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it in my sort of throat area and it's sort of gray. 
Okay. In my uh, this gray stress in my throat. Yes. Okay. Perfect. I accept how I feel. I accept how I feel. Okay. Inside of the eyes. This stress. This stress. Tapping outside of the eyes. This stress from taking on too much. This stress from taking on too much. Under eyes. This stress from not able to say no. This stress from not being able to say no. This gray stress under nose. This great gray stress. On your chin, this stress from taking too much. This stress from taking on too much. Like a thymus or your chest. Yeah, your chest. uh, This stress from taking too much. This stress from taking on too much. Okay, take a deep breath. Tune into the stress and your feelings in your body and tell me how that shifted. It feels a little bit better. And this is going to sound so crazy. It almost, it feels like the gray is like breaking up. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what it is. So when we started, I forgot to ask you how high the stress is, but what would you say it was before we started? It wasn't terrible. I would say it was a seven, like a seven. Okay. And, and now, now it feels probably like a four. Okay. So this remaining stress, this remaining stress, things are breaking up now. Things are breaking up now in my chest. Do, yeah. Are you getting a little clarity? Um, yeah, I'm just already thinking of all the things I'm going to say no to. <laughs> okay, okay, perfect. Yeah. This this uh, uh, this uh, new new this new urge to say no. This new urge to say no. Okay. And the remaining stress. And the remaining stress. I accept how I feel. I accept how I feel. This remaining stress. This remaining stress. This new new me. <laughs> this new me. <laughs> This remaining stress from being overwhelmed. This remaining stress from being overwhelmed. This remaining stress from taking too much. This remaining stress from taking on too much. This new clarity. This new clarity. In your chest. This new clarity. This new clarity. In front of the eyes. From saying no. From saying no. And I'm saying no too. And now you, we're going to tap and you say, what are you saying no to? I'm saying no to... <sighs> All of these extra things people want me to do that just uh, that aren't necessary, that aren't important, that I don't, I just don't need to do right now. Under your eyes, under nose, and on your chin. Just think about those items, and we're gonna finish here on your chest again. Mm-hmm. Take a deep breath. What is the message of your stress now? What did what did, what have you learned during this quick tapping? I, you know what I learned? I, I learned that I can't be too quick to say yes. I have to, I have to think about it instead of my initial response jumping in. And I'm sure my listeners and viewers, you're doing the same yeah. thing. I'm not alone in this one. We need to take some time when someone says, "Hey, can you do this?" or "How about this?" Um, I let me get back to you. Let me think about it. Let me let you know, and it'll give me by saying those things. It'll give me time to to really assess is it a is it a good I think, yes for me or no i think you just showed your listeners like a great way to start triaging our life and priorities but also with the tapping what we would want to do is we would go deeper and we would start looking at it okay well when did you feel this kind of we would get to the first moment and obviously we would get to a point when you felt like you had to you know please or you know, your caregiver, your parents, probably, you know, I'm just, this is just wildly guessing, but then we can go into the war, into the meet little Debbie and help her in the situation where all of us kind of started narrating our stories of being people pleasers 
And I feel like that's why we get sometimes carried on that betrayal journey because it might be scary to say what you feel. And I think, you know, you kind of helped us all kind of remember that what you feel matters and you are no longer being persecuted for your feelings. So get out there and, you know, do your thing and uh, do it despite your feelings of, you know, being afraid and, it's it's so important and and i and it's so true we're we're trying to do everything and be everything for everyone and then it's it's typically at the expense of ourselves so clara what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up oops about betrayal or in general just about healing about moving through things i feel like you have so much wisdom and just i would say you don't stop don't don't take a no for no. Don't stop until you find until you find it, until you find that release. Because you don't have to go, I know this is not talking about against any modalities, you know, everything's great, but you don't have to go to therapy for 10 years and still feel trapped. Like there are amazing people, coaches, programs like Debbie's or you know, other programs that will help you and just don't stop. Don't take, don't take mediocre healing as a healing. Just keep going until you find that. And, you know, tapping might feel like what, but if, if, you know, I kept asking people when I was in my twenties like, and they were in their forties, fifties, like, what would you do differently? Like, what is it that you would want to, this is it. Go get tapping, find someone who you can work with and just, you know, use it as your vessel to get through your betrayals and pain and, and come out with clarity and the scar that you can keep telling your story and help others. Oh, that's beautiful. Claire, I want to help. I want to thank you so much for your wisdom and your time. Where can we go to learn more about you and the great work you're doing? It's on my website where I help moms who are stressed, overwhelmed from their own, you know, life stories and uh, from being triggered by their thoughts. It's claracelacek.com. And I have a free download of a five pillar journey from, you know, from stress to peace. Oh, that's so great. And thank you so much. We're going to have everything in the show notes. Okay, you heard it, everybody. Try tapping or whatever it is for you. Do not stay stuck and and find the right type of support. Of course, that's what all we do within the PPT Institute, bringing in amazing people like Clara to help. So thank you so much for your wisdom. I know you helped so many people today. Thank you, Debbie. It's hard to imagine the confusion Clara must have felt along with the anger at her mom, but you can hear the healing in who she is now. Stay in touch with Clara by going to clarasedlicek.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. As Clara said, it's not about being a better person. It's about being a healed person. So don't stop until you find what works for you. For Clara, it was tapping, which is a great place to start because it neutralizes the story. And when the emotions are neutralized, you can start to move through it. Of course, I have just the place to help you do all of that. Join us at the PBT as in 
post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com, and get started with our new Reclaim program. In a 90-day experience, you get to work privately with our coaches, attend live classes, ask me your questions in our group sessions, and be in the most loving and supportive place to transform. In 90 days, you'll be moving through the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough, so you look feel, and live better. So don't wait. You deserve to heal. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough. 